My guest today on the enemies list is Brian Stelter. Brian is the former chief media correspondent for CNN. He is an author, a media analyst, and one of the smartest people about how America's media climate has changed and altered in in the weird period that we've been living in since about 2015. He's an expert on Fox News and its role in this entire monstrosity. There was also maintained what was called an enemies list. Democrats want Republicans dead. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody. The women with the least likelihood of getting pregnant are the ones most worried about having abortions. On January 6th of 2021, you had tens of thousands of people peacefully protesting. You're the president of the United States. You can declassify just by saying um, it's declassified. It's not a right-wing conspiracy theory. It's not QAnon. It's real. (laughs) I'm Rick Wilson. And this is The Enemies List. Brian, welcome to The Enemies List. Thank you so much for joining me today. Glad to be on the list. Thank you. <laughs> well, listen, I want to ask you a question that, I, that I, I ask a lot of people in media for their opinion. What has Fox done to America? <laughs> this is why I'm writing another book about Fox, man. It's like I'm still trying to figure it out every day. Mm-hmm. I think... I think uh, you know, I, I, I probably would say the same things you would say, uh, maybe not as, as, as sharply, uh, which is that Fox has uh, made the country, um, Fox has made it hard for the country to recognize itself. Fox has made mm-hmm. it harder for neighbors to be neighbors. Fox has made it harder for people to see each other as people and not enemies. And of course, you know, as I'm saying this, I have to include the caveat that it's not just Fox and Fox is, you know, just the dominant part of a giant right wing media empire and universe of outlets, mm-hmm. a constellation of outlets. And of course, uh, the blame doesn't lie entirely in the right wing media. Uh, obviously, there are flaws to the entire uh, you know, television news universe and to the digital media ecosystem that we live in. There's so much trash out there in the media world. There's also a lot of treasure and it's really hard to separate sometimes the trash and the treasure. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a choose your own adventure media environment. Everybody gets <laughs> lost sometimes down rabbit holes of their own making. But all that said, all those caveats included, um, it's inescapable that, you know, that, that, that Fox has contributed in a very damaging way to our uh, collective um, uh, identity. You're you're right. Everybody has a little bit of a, a chunk of the blame here in how America's media climate has sort of evolved or devolved in the space of the last you know seven years. You know, and and everybody has you you could point a finger you could point a few fingers you know at the at the regular networks and, and at CNN and at MSN for for the flood the zone coverage that happened back in fifteen and sixteen. One of my questions is. Are we about to repeat that same thing all over again? Are we about to let Trump darken the sun so no other campaign or candidate can ever catch a breath or a moment of a moment of visibility? I think we are seeing signs that that may happen from some quarters, right? From some outlets mm-hmm. or from some directions. However, maybe I'm naive. Uh, I, all all has not been forgotten. A lot, a lot has been forgotten from 2015 and 2016. Memories have faded. It frustrates me quite a bit that memories have faded and, and mm-hmm. some of the lessons that you know were theoretically learned from the Trump years have maybe been forgotten or have faded away. That said, I, I don't think all has been forgotten. I don't think all has faded away. I, 
I do think there are lots of journalists in lots of places and lots of outlets that are trying to, uh, you know, not make the same mistakes twice, right? You know, we'll go out and make other mistakes, but not the same mistake. <laughs> you know, that's, that's how right. it always is in journalism. Like, that's the iterative process. But I think we have to distinguish, Rick, in this conversation between journalism, which is where I'm trying to live Absolutely. for a moment here, mm-hmm. versus everything else. And, you know, in television news, for example, I was at CNN almost nine years, and there were times on my Sunday morning show where we were doing, you know, television journalism means both television and journalism. And there's times when your television can be very journalism heavy and you can go on and feel like you put on an award-winning program. There's other times where you're doing television and the, the, the amount of journalism is a lot lower. Like for example, just a silly example, the day that Richard Branson blew off into space, you know, and I happened to do happen during my hour when Mm -hmm. I was covering Richard Branson going off into space, I'd like to think that it was pretty, pretty smart coverage, but you know, there's less journalism in that hour, right? In terms of the nutritional, <laughs> right. right? So if you apply that to politics and you apply that to Trump, there's a lot of television that's not journalism. And there's a lot of television journalism that's trying really hard to get to the truth and hold them accountable. And of course, that's mostly not on Fox News. So, you know, we can talk about journalists learning lessons or journalists repeating mistakes, but even if journalists, you know, learn all the lessons and apply all the skills, we're still going to have this media environment, both on television and online, that favors Trump because of his attention-grabbing, uh, stunt-driven behavior. Do you think that's a fair d- differentiation to make? I think so. I think so. I mean, look, very frequently, and I, and I, I defended CNN about this one time back in in sixteen, uh, which and, and I said you know, a lot of what he's doing is newsworthy. A lot of what he's doing is more visually and eye-catching and more newsworthy than a lot of what his opponents are doing, even though I don't like it. You know, sometimes he was earning the coverage. Right. And I hate I hate even saying that, but but sometimes he was earning that coverage. Uh, other times it was sort of the 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 welcome mat got rolled out for him and you know morning hosts letting them letting you know interviewing Trump from bed basically <laughs> and taking it, you know, always letting him call in with no other no other, you know, candidate got the same sort of privileges, but yeah, a lot of the times he was doing something more and, and, you know, and television news is a visual medium. Even the news part likes to be, you know, given a good picture, a good setup. It's why every advanced guy, you know, has a job in politics right. to give them a good picture. So, you know, I, I think one of the things that, that I'm fascinated by also is, um, and you wrote about this a lot in, in your book hoax, um, about how that sort of weird Rupert Roger Ailes Trump merger happened in 16 as the campaign started to evolve and how Rupert was kind of hesitant at first to get in it and even called Trump out a little bit. And he had Arena Briganti, you know, bash him a little bit during the whole Megyn Kelly situation. But is, is it possible even for that sort of thing to come to, to, to be played out again? I mean, Roger's departure and say what you will about Roger Ailes, the man was was probably the definitive genius of television of our lifetimes. Um, uh, is there is there are they just going to be playing like the golden oldies version of it this time at Fox, or is there someone there who now now that Tucker's gone that that has that sort of ability to build that narrative they 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 handed him in twenty sixteen. Right. I think I think you're getting to, to like a, a key point about the relationship between Trump and Fox or the Murdochs and, and Trump, which is, you know, 
People talk about Fox as a kingmaker. I like to describe it as the beating heart of the GOP. But mm-hmm. when it came to Trump, they were very much in a, a follower position, not in a leadership position. Right? They were not leading the way, leading the charge for Donald Trump. They they had to belatedly catch up to Trump and right. and, and bring him in and, and embrace him after trying out other candidates. And and Rupert Murdoch, you know, we know and we've seen it again now from the Dominion emails. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, personally detests Trump and and recognizes the, the, the danger and the damage that, that Trump has posed in the past. So with all that said, I have not seen signs that Rupert Murdoch or his son Lachlan are willing to pick up the phone and uh, steer the channel in a certain direction. Um, and by the way, you know, this is where I always say, you know, networks, you know, you if, when, you're, when you're an anchor on television, you want autonomy, you expect autonomy, you deserve autonomy, you deserve that kind of freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you don't want editorial uh, heavy handedness. But, but that said, that's in order to get the truth out. That is in order to report real news. That is for journalists to go and do journalism. Where I do think it's appropriate for the CEO or the owner to pick up the phone is when uh, there's lies and propaganda and, and BS being spewed on your airwaves. And, you know, that that is the, 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 the you know, the, the key difference about 2016, especially about 2020. To have the Murdochs not get involved, to not step in, to not try to pull the channel away from the abyss and closer to reality, right? I've noticed that when I write, mm-hmm. uh, when I wrote, what about this for CNN, Jay Rosen, the journalism scholar at NYU, I right. would write sometimes that Fox was moving further to the right. And he would say, that's an interesting way to put it. Here's a better way to put it. He would say, Fox is moving further from real, further from reality, further from what's true. And I thought that's a really interesting distinction, right? Because that's what happened in 2020. Mm-hmm. They moved not further to the right, per se, but further from reality. And there was no owner, no CEO, no person strong enough or, you know, I don't know, brave enough or, I don't know, like, willing to pull it back. <laughs> uh, so you're, you're asking, well, what, what about now, right? What about 2023 and 2024? Tucker Carlson's firing means something, and we're all still debating what it means and why it happened. And, you know, you can I can tell you my theory if you want, but... Other than that moment, we I don't see that. signs that the Murdochs <laughs> are, are yanking on, you know, pulling it back to, to closer to reality. Support for Rick Wilson's The Enemies List comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable, all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash Wilson. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash Wilson. Odoo, modern management made simple. Yeah, I mean, there are a few big inflection points in my mind. And I I think, and you wrote about this, of course, Um, I think the Seth Rich case um, was one of the times where you just saw Fox just take a hard, weird turn into cuckoo land, into the craziest conspiracy stuff that was out there. And and it took it took an awful lot of legal pressure from Seth Rich family right. years later to finally have them admit even even obliquely that they just made it all up. And they they, they were just they they knew from the beginning this thing was paper thin and were willing to do it in order to achieve a political objective of trying to to you know, put some stink on Hillary Clinton and and to defend Donald Trump from the Mueller uh, probe, from from not the Mueller yes. probe, but from uh, embarrassing the, revelations yeah. that were coming out about James Comey and about the FBI. It, Trump Trump was in trouble in that moment, and the Seth Rich story 
gave Sean Hannity something else to talk about. And that's oftentimes mm-hmm. what happens at Fox is they just need something, anything else to talk about. Uh, I, but I think that was a turning point, and I think in 2020 was another turning point. The you know in terms of the, the big lie, what I think I have learned from covering television news, and, and what I'm going to say is not applicable to, to my experience personally at CNN. But when I look across the television news landscape, especially these these political talk shows, mm-hmm. you'd like to imagine that there are all these people in charge or all these people helping produce the best possible show. Like we'd like <laughs> to imagine that there are teams of producers, editors, and experts all on standby, all, you know, improving the right. quality of the content and fact-checking and cross-referencing and pitching better guests and making the product better. You'd like to imagine that, you know, the, the host is up there, but there's a, an entire orchestra behind him playing the best possible sound. When in fact, it's more like one person up on a tightrope with like, a, you know, a net behind uh, under him that that's already fallen apart. That's got holes in it. Like, <laughs> you are when you're that host, you are all alone. And yeah. by the way, some of the hosts like it that way. And, you know, they don't want interference, right? They don't want senior vice presidents calling, bothering them. They don't want uh, fact checkers from the research department uh, harassing them. You know, we, we know about the tensions between, let's say, Tucker Carlson and the brain room at Fox, you know, this old research right. department. But I guess I, I'm just trying to make the point that it some of this stuff happens. Some of these flights from reality at Fox, they happen because there is not supervision. There are not, you know, um, standards and practices departments breathing down the necks. There are not people uh, doing gut checks, following up, following through. I, I think we've seen that so clearly through the Dominion filings, through all of the emails and texts that mm-hmm. came out. It is incredibly embarrassing for Fox. And yet it is partly what enables them to do what they do by not and having... You know, yeah, they, they don't, as you mentioned, the brain room, which is basically sort of the, the Fox research and opposition research room, but they're not really using it to say, hey, by the way, let's get a second source on this. A lot of it seems to me, especially in the Trump era, a lot of it was, well, there's a report on, you know, Breitbart or Gateway Pundit, and we're right. going to riff off of that. And exactly. And, and that's all part of, and I think people, I, I still think people in this country have yet to fully grapple with the scope of this gigantic and it's it's fairly new it started a long time ago but the scale of it now is fairly new uh this maga media infrastructure that's out there this food chain that runs up and down from fox out into the conspiracy world and everything else and that talk a little bit about how big that is and how how influential it's become in american media and politics I, I totally agree with you that folks have not fully grappled with it. Um, and that's, you know, it's partly out of a desire, you know, a desire not to go and, you know, have to look at this, this darkness, this ugliness. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a version of this on the left and you can sure. see it in the Robert F. Kennedy candidacy mm-hmm. that, that exists. And it also warrants scrutiny, but is just so much smaller. Um, there, there's no equivalent. There, 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 I don't want to draw a false equivalency because it's, it's so much more significant on the right. I think of Fox as being closer to the top of this, you know, funnel where right. where things are coming from below and Fox producers and, and hosts are pulling them up onto the airwaves, you know, and Dominion's mm-hmm. an example of that, where the Dominion conspiracy theories were already circulating uh, on, on, you know, random websites. 
and then they were dragged onto Fox by Maria Bartiromo and Sidney Powell, right. and then spread by right. others. And so there's a version of that that happens probably practically every week. And without Tucker Carlson on Fox, it'll be interesting to see if it happens less often. Um, again, mm-hmm. this goes to a lack of checks and balances. If I you know, walked in during my years at CNN and there was some article that seemed too good to be true you know, from some fringe website, and I wanted to do an entire segment about it, uh, first of all, I, I think I would know better. But second, there would be folks to tell me, you idiot, put that down. We're not going, we're not doing that because we don't have any of our own reporting. And by the way, to the extent that we have any reporting, this this thing makes no sense, right? There, there's both, there's two mm. ways to go, right? There's the, we're going to gather our own reporting. And then there's also the, does this pass the smell test? Is this common sense? When it comes to the Dominion stuff that happened in November 2020, that did, did not make any common sense. But, you know, I, I, I tell you that because I, I had an incredible and wonderful amount of autonomy at CNN. And, sure. you know, I had the trust of my my bosses and I had great producers and all of that. And yet, you know, I know because, you know, I'm, I'm sure it happened once or twice and I don't remember, like, you know, when when my EP, my executive producer would tell me, like, this makes no sense. We, you know, let's not go down this road. Right. We're going to regret this. Right. And I don't see a lot of signs that, that happened at Fox. I see a couple of them. There are a couple of moments you can see in the emails. For example, Janine Pirro mm-hmm. was basically kicked off the air. The weekend Biden won the election because they didn't trust her. They knew she was going to go, uh, you know, into kooky conspiracy town. And so they right, did not air right. her show. And I, that is one of the only examples I've seen of Fox preemptively, proactively taking steps to keep uh, pollution yeah. off the airwaves. Now, you know, it happened then maybe once or twice in that that month. Will it happen uh, this time? Like, will it? I don't think we know the answer to that yet. We don't know what the Tucker firing means yet. Everybody's got a morning ritual. Uh, I know I do. And I want to feel like I'm getting my day going. I want to feel like I'm moving. And more than coffee sometimes, it's making sure you're clean, squared away, put together. You can get your day started by upping your shave game with Harry's sleekest razor yet, the craft handle. I like to use it because I've got to shave this giant dome of mine every day. So I got to keep it shiny. I have a beard, but I keep my neck clean front and back, do all the miscellaneous trimming. And the new craft handle, it actually is a lot more precision, at least that I found, with the new grip. I really like it a lot. You'll be getting quality shaving for a really amazing price. For now, they're offering the craft handle starter set for 10 bucks. It's a $17 value. So this is something you really should try. And if you don't like it, it's on them, guys. They stand behind the product. They guarantee it. How can you get a hold of the craft handle of the latest, greatest from Harry's? It's simple. Get it delivered to your door for 10 bucks at harrys.com slash enemies list. That's harrys.com slash enemies list. Yeah, and I, I I do want to talk to you about that for a second because Tucker really had become, and, and I, this is one of the most striking like things I, I heard recently. Someone recently told me before Tucker was fired that Ron DeSantis was walking around to a lot of these major donors bragging, well, I've won the Tucker primary. And, and I'm going to be on Tucker all the time. And I'm going to be the guy he holds up as this big example of, of the new version of Trump, the new MAGA hero. And I thought, oh my God, we live in a world where a guy is actually bragging about trying to win a primary with Tucker Carlson. And, and, and then I thought, it's not really the stupidest thing I've heard if you're a Republican, you know, aspirant for the presidency at that point, because Tucker, he had a role at Fox that was had become, I think, kind of central to the to Fox's normative power inside the Republican Party. Yes, he absolutely did. I mean, in some ways, Tucker is and was post-Republican Party, right? He was saying, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're they're part of the problem, they're the establishment. But uh, you know, when when he would tell Kevin McCarthy to jump, 
McCarthy would say how high. And, and we all uh-huh. know that. And there's no denying that. So, you know, to the extent that he's been taken off the playing field, at least the Fox playing field, it does actually change Fox. I thought it was so funny that Lachlan Murdoch said to the investors the other day, he said, there's been no change in our programming strategy. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, dude, you just took really theorist. <laughs> You know, your top, you know, your top heterodox thinker, your top, um, your only bridge over to the Glenn Greenwalds. I mean, not the only, but you know what I'm saying? Tucker was a very unique figure, very unique, you know, player within the Fox orbit, uh, which is partly, Mm -hmm. I think, why his show ended. And uh, of course, there's a huge change to your programming strategy. Um, Whoever's going to replace him someday is not going to be Tucker. So, you know, all of that said. I, and, you know, now, you know, people like me are writing stories about Fox's reigns, declines. Those are all real. It's a real story. It's it's a sure, you know, sure, borderline sure. emergency for Fox. And yet I am very much of the view as, a, you know, a confident Fox executive said to me the other day, they always come back. The, the viewers, they always come back. It's just like Trump's attitude to his to his voters. They always come back, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and we've actually mm-hmm. seen that in, in GOP primary polling that uh, the voters always come back and the viewers always come back. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. When Bill O'Reilly was basically thrown off, they they kind of bragged about it. It was like, oh, well, he's gone. We're not going to worry about that. He'll fade away. And he kind of did. <clears throat> and they've seen that in a couple of other people that, you know, Eric Bowling and others who've, who've gone. I'm wondering, though, if Tucker, if he ends up making a deal with um, with Elon on, at Twitter, which seems like that's in the, in the wind right now that that might be happening, or, or find some other or creates some other bespoke platform, if, if he might not drag an awful lot of the Fox audience with him. The, the reason that I'm, I'm sort of skeptical or downcast about that is that the way that I consume Twitter is so different from the way that I consume television. And I sure. can see myself, you know, think, think about like half the time I'm watching cable news, I'm also on Twitter. So mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. view them necessarily as cannibalistic of each other. Um, if Got anything, it. they are additive of each other, right? That Twitter sometimes drives me to television and I tweet about what I'm watching, et cetera. Now, you know, it is it is true that half of the 8 p.m. audience for Fox has vanished and I right. can't find all of them. I've been trying. Uh, some of them have turned on to Newsmax, uh, maybe a third yep. of that base that left. Another third, I'm guessing, is is streaming Netflix, you know, Hulu, et cetera. Right, right. Another right. third, you know, maybe they've they've split it off on 100 different channels from ABC to, to something on the Z. But I don't and, know. And let me tell you, I think a lot of them are, and I don't think anybody's got a metric on this yet that I've been like happy seeing, like like confident in, in, in judging from it. There is so much uh, weird streaming stuff out there on the Telegram channels and on Rumble and and oh, every other right. damn platform now that I I don't know if this audience has atomized and is going to reassemble somewhere else or if it's just vaporized and it's it's going to well that's a know, great point that's a great point that, drift we can't back to measure Fox. it's almost like the dark web like we can't we cannot measure <laughs> right. Uh, Sort of the the far right streamers and podcasters and you know and and the, all of those services and in a, in a, it just as a media reporter like very selfishly gosh right. I kind of liked it better ten years ago when when Bill O'Reilly was dominant and Sean Hannity was dominant and and mm-hmm. there were you know, 
I guess that's what I have in common with the executives of Fox News. Like this, this fractured environment is much more difficult to navigate, to understand, to comprehend, to to monitor. Um, right. And I see it only fragmenting further. I'm sure you do too. The fractures are just getting narrower and narrower. Oh, by by every, by by the day, by the day. So let me ask you this: What do you think the What do you think Fox's? I mean, did they learn a lesson from Dominion other than you know don't let crazy people yell crazy shit on the air? And was Tucker's firing really wired into the Dominion settlement? Because now there are people claiming that's the case. I can't, I can't quite make a make heads or tails of that yet. I don't personally buy that theory, although I think um, people close to Tucker have have pushed it. Mm-hmm. I view Tucker's ouster as a bad breakup, and I, I say this having. I don't think I've ever had a breakup like this. I hope I haven't. I apologize to any woman listening who I may have previously dated who feels this is going to be applicable. Um, you know, the the when you have a bad breakup, or so I've been told, it's not one thing, it's everything. It's not, it's not that mm-hmm. one final fight. It's not that one final slight. It's everything. It's a dozen resentments and grievances and slights that all add up. It's a, it's a hundred different, you know, petty things that all add up. And then, and then there's a final moment and you break up. And that is what I think happened between Tucker and Fox. Uh, and, and different people are pointing to that different final moment, right? There's been a camp close to Tucker mm-hmm. saying, well, Rupert just lost his mind and, you know, he broke up with his fiance and his fiance loves Tucker. So he's just punishing his fiance by firing Tucker. I mean, there's, there's that theory, right? And there's like 10 other theories sure. like that. And my answer is they're probably all true. <laughs> I mean, not literally, <laughs> probably all, there's probably truth to all of them. And this was just a, you know, it was a relationship that was faltering for a while. I think we can look back several months and see proof that this was going going badly. Remember when Tucker started playing the surveillance tapes from the Capitol and mm-hmm. none of the other shows on Fox ever touched it? Right. That's That was right. a clear, in retrospect, that is a clear sign that something was happening, that there was a breakup already underway. So, you know, with, with that said... He can go on Twitter, and which I think is his short-term plan. Then his long-term plan is something much, much broader and bigger. He can go mm-hmm. on to Twitter. He can get he can get what Twitter will say are twenty million views, and that's right. not just apples and oranges, you know, to television. It's apples and I don't know, like a cement block. There's just <laughs> there is no way to compare them. They should not be compared. They don't exist in the same world. A Twitter right. view is borderline fake. I don't want to say fake, but you know, it's, 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 it is a fleeting moment. It's ephemeral. You can't even put your finger on it. A television view. When when you look at a television rating, if I tell you 1.5 million people are watching Fox at 8 PM right now, that means that's for the entire hour. That's the average of every minute of the hour. Uh So if you add that up, like let's just do that from 1.5 times 60, right? You get, uh, you get nine, 90 million, views right i mean uh, it, it it uh, yeah, yeah i think i think you're right the the yeah. math of the math of a lot of online metrics is still very uh, squirrely yeah pe- um, people should be skeptical when they hear when they hear Tucker carlson's a huge twitter star because yes he's going to get a lot of attention on twitter um but if the average hour of fox prime time has more than 100 million views if we want to play the view count game by the way it's mm-hmm. a lot higher than that I, that's the sure. that's the that's the total minutes you know viewed but it's, it's actually you know anyway we're going to hear all that nonsense. I hope people see through it because it is a fact that Tucker's visibility will not be as high on Twitter as it was on Fox. Period. It's already End falling of off on the search metrics. So I have two more quick things for you and we'll, and we'll let you go. The first is what should journalism do about this writ large? How do, how do they need to face this like gigantic disinformation infrastructure that's out there and, and this 
and this role that Fox is playing so gleefully promoting dishonest and, and untrustworthy and untruthful journalism. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Um, number one, recognize that it's happening, which unfortunately there's there's far too little recognition that it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um so I start from a place of just awareness of talk about it, of be, be aware of it, recognize mm-hmm. it, see it for what it is, scrutinize it, um, talk about it both internally and externally, meaning how do we, what are the best ways to cover this? What are the, the strongest ways to cover this? Um, what right. are the weakest ways? What are ways not to do it? <laughs> right. And, 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 and let be that doing? be known. Let that be known externally. I, you know, that's the part that's always complicated and, and controversial. And, you know, we tried a little bit to do that with reliable sources. And sometimes we succeeded, sometimes we didn't. But, you know, show that the newsroom conversations are happening. Let let viewers, let readers in on it. Um, and, uh, you know, recognize that it's an integral part of stories about politics and business and tech and media and culture. That the information wars, the disinformation environment, the information pollution that we're all choking on is mm-hmm. a part of the story. And that's the part that really gets me sometimes is when, you know, news outlets that, that shall be unnamed don't incorporate the disinformation pollution into the coverage of the controversy, right? Like, you know, this right. is only a story because X, Y, and Z happened. And I don't know about you, Rick, my frustration, my feeling about 2023 is that almost all the energy that was dedicated toward understanding this problem and, and trying to tamp down the pollution and trying to provide fact checks, at least trying to give people a fighting chance out there to know what's real and what's not, that energy has just been like, sucked away. Like it is, to me, it's evaporated. Right. No, I think that's right. I think that I think there is a certain sense of exhaustion about it at this point. I well, felt it personally when I left CNN. So I was, sure. you know, I, I got booted in, in August and then in September, I was at the, the county fair with my daughter and I was on the Ferris wheel and I, I shouldn't have looked at my phone, but I looked at my phone and I got an email from a fact checker who was writing a story because some article on Facebook said I had been arrested by a military tribunal. And then, you know, same damn website, two weeks later. I hate when that happens. Yes. And and I'm like, how do you want to take a a selfie with my daughter to prove that I'm not in jail? Like, what am I supposed to do? Right. And then a couple of weeks later, the same website said I had been indicted and sentenced to death. And thankfully, some lovely woman at the Pentagon denied it for me. So I didn't have to say anything. But then a few weeks later, the same website said I had been executed at Guantanamo Bay. And I know it to me, it's to me, it's pretty funny. But then I get a tweet from a guy who says, my brother really, truly believes that you were executed at Gitmo. Can you take a picture with today's newspaper? And oh, <laughs> no, God. the answer is no. Like, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm not going to stoop to that level. But but do, maybe I should. I don't know what the right answers are. That, that's right? why you say, I, what should newsrooms do? You know, we should be having these conversations. We should be talking about the options. Um, and we should try to make sure the energy isn't totally evaporated from this problem. That is that is an absolutely terrific point. Well, Brian, thank you so very, very much for coming on the enemies list today. I really deeply appreciate it. I know you've got a long road ahead with with analyzing the craziness and the chaos that's about to hit us. <laughs> and uh, I wish you all the best. Look forward to talking to you again soon. I appreciate it. Hey, if people have ideas for my next book, it's, it's called Network of Lies. You can email me at bstelter at gmail.com. There, I could use all the is. help I can get because I got Network it right. Network of Lies. Me. I love the title already. 
on today's enemies list. It's Fox News, our old friends at the Fair and Balanced Network. This week in New York, the Lincoln Project, which is my other full-time job, we ran a series of ads during the upfronts. We beamed those ads into all the advertisers Fox was considering pitching their crapulous product to. And we also had a, a truck playing Fox videos out front of the horrible, misogynist, racist, disgusting, anti-American, anti-democracy things that they and their hosts have, have, have pushed on the American people. When we did that, they freaked out. They sent the police after the trucks. They lost their minds. Fox executives were calling the NYPD to have us thrown off the site, etc. And it just reminds me, the people who squawk the loudest about not wanting people to be canceled, the people who bitch the most about, about free speech are exactly the ones who will crush it the minute it interferes with their idea that the world should be run by a bunch of authoritarian lunatics. Anyway, Fox, you're on the enemies list. Get your shit together. This has been the enemies list. And if you've been enraged or engaged or enlivened by this week's episode, let's do something about it. This podcast is part of Resolute Square, a new front in the war to preserve democracy. We were looking for a place to fight back against the MAGA media, and this is it. In addition to this podcast and many others, each week, Resolute Square members will sit down with me and other founders for an intimate meeting of the minds, talking about what's really going on behind the curtain of American politics and analyzing the minds and the motivations of the people that are shaping this country's future, good and bad, along with exclusive analysis and insight from our newsletters, which are anything but conventional wisdom. And yes, we'll also have merch to make the MAGA heads in your life furious. And more. Become a partner in this fight at ResoluteSquare.com enemies. And folks, if you could like, subscribe, and rate the podcast, I would be enormously grateful. And I cannot tell you how grateful and how heartfelt your support has been for this podcast and for these conversations. And we look forward to many, many more. Thanks again. And remember, whatever you do, stay off the list. <laughs>